You don't have any Stephen King. You've got the shiny. You mean shiny. Shh. When I get sued? It's just your fate. You're that geeky Stephen King kid. There's one of you in every school. Okay, that's him, that's him, that's Kujo, that's Kujo. I was thinking along the lines of no TV and no beer make Homer something, something. Oh, crazy. Don't mind if I do. Hello and welcome to Tower Junkies, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. Tower Junkies is a podcast celebrating the work of Stephen King, hosted by two lifelong constant readers. We do non-spoiler and spoiler reviews of King's published work and take a critical look at his film and television adaptations as well. We also discuss the latest King news and check in with each other on our latest or on our ongoing King obsessions. It's the podcast where all things serve the King. Uh, you can find more of our work at TowerJunkiesPod.com. You can also like the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash tower junkies pod and of course you can follow us on twitter and every other level of social media at tower junkies pod and if you'd like to support what we do here you can become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer for a ridiculous amount of bonus content spread across all of obsessive viewer.com's various podcasts which i will be saying a uh, an announcement uh, for stephen king related patreon content here shortly but before i do that i want to in- introduce myself I'm one of your hosts, Matt Hurt, and today on the show, we are going to be reviewing King's latest novel, which was published in uh, September of 2022, (laughs) his latest novel, Fairy Tale, (laughs) and joining me to do that, of course, is my co-host for the first episode of 2023 of Tower Junkies, Um, Tiny. Hi, Tiny. How is it going? Hey, it's going good, man. First of many. First of many, yes. I believe. I have a very good feeling about uh, Tower Junkies in 2023, which I will also be talking about at the end of the episode. So to kind of whet your guys' appetite there, um, we've got some things Ooh. in the works that uh, we'll announce at the end of the episode. But um, <clears throat> yep. But yeah. So, uh, of course, we're going to be covering uh, fairy tale and separate non-spoiler and spoiler sections. But before we get to all of that, we do have some news and check-ins to get through. Um, Tiny, do you want me to go ahead and rattle off some news items uh, in the Stephen King-averse? Yeah, go for it. Okay, nice. And, uh, yeah, uh, so a uh, few things. There, there's a bunch of items, but <laughs> I'll put links to all of this in the show notes. But the first one is... Uh, it was recently announced that King's next novel will be published on September 5th of this year. It is titled Holly, um, and it is uh, bringing back the character of Holly Gibney. Um, the uh, blurb that I read from SimonandSchuster.com is, Holly Gibney, one of Stephen King's most compelling and ingeniously resourceful characters, returns in this thrilling novel to solve the gruesome truth behind multiple disappearances in a Midwestern town. So that is coming out in on September fifth, and I, uh, yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to it. New King is New King. Uh, Tiny, how do you feel about Holly uh, Holly Gibney, and uh, how are you anticipating the novel Holly? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I um I haven't read a Holly Gibney story in a while. Uh, I mm-hmm. didn't read uh the story that she's in for If It Bleeds. I haven't gotten yeah. If It Bleeds yet. Um, but I like that character. I think she's fun. Um, she's mm-hmm. kind of a um you know, uh, 
de- Detective Hodges took a kind of took a chance on her. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I I, just, I thought she was a fun addition to that trilogy. And mm-hmm. um, I it's it's really I think it's kind of funny how King keeps coming back to her. Like she makes appearances <laughs> in other stories, and uh, there's a, a, a short story with her, in, and now she gets her whole novel a whole novel just for her. Mm-hmm. Um, she she's got to be one of his most returned to characters. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and I, I also kind of like that, like Holly Gibney is someone who's grown on me. Um, I haven't, like you, I haven't read the story and if it bleeds, um, mm-hmm. but I have read, um, uh, you know, the Bill Hodges trilogy and the outsider. Um, and I feel like was she also in a short story that he released? I don't know. Maybe not. But anyway, um, aside from all that, but anyway, I find it interesting also, this is just kind of just a random observation that has no bearing on anything, but I just find it interesting that King is adding to his uh, stable of novels that uh, are named after character names. <laughs> so <laughs> That's like, true. Yeah, so like Christine, Carrie, um, Dolores Claiborne, uh, Holly now, Billy Summers. Um, yeah. Yeah, I can't really think of any others off the top of my head. Um, Rose Matter? I don't know, actually. Is that her name? I don't know. Yeah. That's a good question. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I, I don't thought, know. <laughs> I thought that was a character's name, but I haven't read Maybe. that one. So I haven't either. So listeners are going crazy right now. Um <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so it's just it's kind of interesting. Um interesting for that. Um I don't think think that is the character's name in uh rose matter um okay. yeah but anyway uh anyway uh so yeah that that's exciting new king is new king um i find it interesting that it's yeah. almost like it's exactly a year after fairy tale was published and i'm assuming that we're not getting two novels this year um which okay. is fine but um but yeah i'm excited nonetheless um sweet me yeah. too yeah i've already got the hardcover pre-ordered on amazon and uh a credit uh allocated for it on audible so uh, nice yeah looking forward to it um the next piece of news i have is uh news about the billy summers movie um it was originally going to be um it was eyed for a 10 episode limited series but bad robot uh jj abrams production company and leonardo dicaprio's production company apian or appian way um are working on it as a feature film um and it could be uh, it hasn't necessarily been said but um, I think that the idea is that maybe J.J. Abrams will direct with Leonardo DiCaprio playing Billy Summers. Um, how do you feel about this news and the possibility of Leo being Billy Summers? Um, we've talked about it before. I can't picture anybody but Paul Sparks. Same as Billy as Billy Summers. Um, but. I mean, Leo DiCaprio is fantastic. So, yeah. you know, and it sounds like he wants to be, you know, not just not like, oh, this came across my desk and it seemed right. interesting. So I'm going to do it. It's like he's involved at a production level, too. So mm-hmm. um, that's, you know, I feel like that's a good sign, you know, that it, it could be a quality adaptation. So, yeah, I, th- I think there's a lot of reasons to be excited for it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I I just really wish that Paul Sparks would would take that role. Um 
but yeah. I mean, Leo is Leo, so I mean, you can't really, um, can't really argue against it. How do you feel about this change up from limited series to feature film? Um, I, you know, I think I kind of like it because nice. I, I don't know why I think, um, cause I'm so gung ho on TV right now. Um, yeah. That's, that's my jam right now. And I think you could totally make Billy Summers into like a limited series, like six episodes or something. Oh yeah. Um, maybe even eight, but I don't know. I feel like, I feel like the good creative, a good creative mind could, um, edit down the parts that need to be edited down and hone it, hone it down to where it needs to be to make it a, like a really, a really tight, like two hour movie or something like that. I, I think that's totally, totally possible and, uh, could, could be a, a good move for the, mm-hmm. for that story. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. I just, I adore that novel. I, that, that one just kind of blew me away a little bit. It was, I I have such a soft spot for it. So anything that anything that happens with it, I'm I'm invested in it. And I think a feature film would work really well, especially with the talent involved. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I'm I'm excited for it. Um, nice. Yeah. The next piece of news that I have these are these last like three are going to be pretty quick. But um, did you see the trailer for the Boogeyman? I, I don't think sent, I have. Yeah, I should have sent you a link. I'm sorry. But um, uh, no. some time ago, like a week or two ago, um, The Boogeyman had a trailer, um, which The Boogeyman is a feature film adaptation of Stephen King's uh, short story of the same name, The Boogeyman, which uh, I actually covered in episode 83 of the podcast with friend of the show, Kim C., um, and we talked about it and at the time uh the boogeyman feature film was going to be a hulu release sometime in 2023 um but um i think because they heard the episode and heard us rave about the short story um <laughs> they decided to pivot to a theatrical release so the boogeyman is going to come out on june 2nd in theaters um, it's directed by Rob Savage, who directed the movie Host in 2020. Did you ever see Host, Tiny? I don't think I did. Is that a Stephanie Meyer book? <laughs> or am uh, I thinking of something else? You're thinking of something else. You're thinking of The Host, um, okay. which is a okay. Stephanie Meyer book and is a movie. But uh, Host in 2020 was um, this uh, basically COVID pandemic movie um, that was like found footage or live stream sort of movie where uh characters get together for uh like a virtual seance and crazy shit happens and it's all like through the perspective of like seeing their like zoom call um so it's one of those but it was it was effective and cool it was really interesting and i'm curious to see what uh he does with the boogeyman that um the short story is amazing I've, I've, I've sung the praises of night shift. That collection is absolutely just insanely good. Um, and the trailer leads me to believe I only saw it once, but it leads me to believe that they're taking quite a bit of liberties with it. So I'm curious to see what kind of spin they'll put on it. But, um, but yeah, it comes out in theaters June 2nd. So we'll have to cover it. I already, uh, told Kim C that she'll have to come back to the podcast to, to review it, uh, with us. So, uh, hopefully we can get that uh, worked out. Um, definitely. Yeah. I need to, I need to read it. Um, I, when you first said that I went to, um, 
uh, IMDb. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you go to IMDb on your computer much, but the website's really nice and like mm-hmm. they they have like videos that autoplay when you go to like a certain like if you go to what it like uh uh you know Leo DiCaprio's page it'll play yeah. like a trailer for a movie he's been in recently or whatever. So yeah. I went to the Boogeyman page and it, the trailer's right there and like mm-hmm. I don't even have the sound playing <laughs> and I'm just I'm I'm watching it and holy shit like that looks fucking scary as hell. Yeah. It looks super creepy. Oh yeah. Um yeah, yeah and the cast is pretty good too. It's got uh, Chris Messina who I'm a fan of. Uh, David mm-hmm. uh, Desmalchen, um, who's getting a lot of... Uh, oh, yeah. He's been in so many things. Um, interesting mm-hmm. enough, it also has Marin Ireland, who did the uh, audiobook narration for, um, I want to say, Sleeping Beauties. Um, oh, okay. I think. Let me double check. Okay. Uh, audiobooks by narrated by Marin Ireland. Uh, there is a much easier way for me to do this, and I did not do it that way. Yeah, she narrated Sleeping <laughs> Beauties on Audible. Um, okay. so yeah, so that's cool. Oh, also, uh, Gwendy's Final Task, and I presume the other Gwendy novels. Hmm. Um, so that's neat. Anyway, um, yeah, so looking forward to that June 2nd. And the next piece of news I have, obviously I'll have links to all this in the show notes of the episode, which can also be found at towerjunkiespod.com slash 084. And I just dropped my phone, so I'm sure that the sound picked up there, but (laughs) I'm not going to bother picking it up. Anyway, uh, the other piece of news I have, this will be quick because I don't know much about it and I just hit the mic. Um, There's a new uh, Children of the Corn adaptation that's coming out. It was originally completed in 2020 and was shelved, but it was picked up by RLJE Media, I think, and Shudder. So it's going to have a uh, theatrical release on March 3rd, and I think it's going to have a 17-day window. So on March 20th is when it's going to be on demand, and I don't know if that's when it's going to go on Shudder to stream or if it's going to be, like, later. Um, But it's coming. Um, Yeah. How, How? What's your relationship with Children of the Corn? Um, have you read the story or I'm sure you've seen the movie. Have you? I haven't read the story. I think I've seen the first movie because I want to say there's like what, five or six movies if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I think there's maybe nine or 10, honestly. Oh, (laughs) like a lot of like straight to video stuff. Gotcha. Okay. I I think I've seen the original one. I want to say Mark Hamill's in it. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think so. Linda Hamilton's in it. Okay, I might be thinking of something else, but mm. anyways, um, I know I've seen the original movie, and I thought it was kind of decent. Like, if I think mm-hmm. if it was, like, it was it was a little campy, cheesy for sure. sure. Um, uh, but I I want to say, like, I think if somebody did it right, it could be uh kind of a cool cool uh, movie um but i have i haven't read the story though that's mm-hmm. something i should get around to is it a short story or is it, it a full novel it's a short story and it is in night shift um okay. so yeah i again i just i highly recommend night shift and also plug for the patreon i have um a patreon reaction record like a whole the church of king thing i have with night shift and several other short story collections but yeah okay nice. yeah um, so yeah, so that's coming out March 3rd. And then finally, this is not, I, honestly, 
I don't think that this is even worth talking about because it's not news, but I just want to kind of mention it that apparently um, Mike Flanagan tweeted a picture of himself with Pedro Pascal. And that caused Mm -hmm. in what I could see from my limited viewpoint, (laughs) a little bit of a upheaval in the fandom uh, with, with uh, talking about, Oh, is he going to play Roland? Um, Which Mm -hmm. that, I mean, Hey, that casting would be amazing. I I would love, love him to do that. Same Z's. Yeah. But there's no way he's going to be cast as Roland. There's no way. Uh, no way. Yeah. No way. I don't. In so much so, I don't see a reason to even speculate uh, on it because he's the Mandalorian. He's Joel in the Last of Us. These are both like, like similar story or similar kind of archetypes. And like, I don't see him taking on the the role of Roland. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Um, three the leading leading guy in three tv shows at once i just yeah oh yeah yeah no way honestly and honestly i wouldn't want that because Mm. like i think i think with the mandalorian it's so hard that's the reason why there's so much uh time between seasons Mm -hmm. um part of it anyways is that he's busy he's got so much shit going on and it's hard hard to get him into film film that you know big green screen stuff so yep absolutely so um so just wanted to mention it here just to mention it but uh but yeah well i mean cool it's cool that they're that they that they had a picture tweeted of them so that's cool um yeah uh they seem like two very good guys in in the industry so that's that's good um but yeah yeah but that's all the news that i have uh do you want to go into check-ins and do you have any check-ins I do have one check-in. It's a little, it's it's unconventional, but I do have a check-in. Normally, I'm like, okay. no. <laughs> so, um, yeah, just the one, though. Okay, yeah. Uh, do you want to go ahead and hit us with it? Yeah, sure. Um, so, it's, uh, like I said, unconventional. Um, so, my mom recently um, had, well, sort of recently, had mm-hmm. surgery, uh, mm-hmm. major, major surgery. Um, Back in right right after right after Thanksgiving, she had surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, her her recovery is slated to be six to twelve months. Like it's it's a big deal. Yeah. Um, to to put it in perspective, the incision from the surgery is twenty two inches long. Jesus, how she? My did, mom like is a... five. My mom is five three. So that's <laughs> yeah. basically half her body. Uh, um, how's she doing with that? Because she's posted on Facebook a, a, a bit. It seems like mm-hmm. she's doing that's, well. That's the good news. She's doing fantastic. Awesome. Um, she she is in way better shape than before she went for the surgery. That's awesome. Um, my mom looks like she is ten years younger, basically. Um, nice. Yeah, she she's five foot three, and before the surgery, she was like slouching to be like five one or five wow. foot tall, um, just very uncomfortable. <clears throat> and now she's sitting up straight and so much more. She had surgery on her spinal cord, by mm. the way. Um, or her her spine, not the mm-hmm. cord, but her spine. Um, anyways, so yeah, she's doing fantastic, like nice. really good recovery. She's way ahead of schedule. She feels really good, um, better than she's felt in years. So that's all fantastic. Nice. Um, my mom, uh, she likes Stephen King. She, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know that she, I wouldn't call her a huge fan, but part mm-hmm. of the reason why I'm a big fan is because my mom and dad, 
uh, had several of uh, old Stevie's books on the shelf, and I looked at the covers of them for years and thought they looked cool and wanted to know what they were about until I finally read one. Yep. Um, I think <clears throat> I've, I've told those stories before on the podcast. Um, oh, yeah. And so I knew my mom had this big uh, recovery coming up, and so she was going to be laying down in bed a lot. Um, so I wanted to, I, I really enjoyed, spoiler alert, really enjoyed Fairy Tale. Nice. Um, and I was like, I'm going to get my mom a copy of Fairy Tale so she has something to read while she's recovering. Very nice. Um, yeah. So the check in is my, I gave the book to my mom a couple weeks after her surgery. She said, Oh, I haven't read, this is great. I haven't read a Stephen King novel in a really long time. Okay. And I was like, really? You know, because I, I kind of thought she was a fan and everything. Uh, I mean, she is, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I thought I thought she was a little more up to date. Do you have, I, I won't give you hints or anything. I'll, she just said, I haven't read a Stephen King novel in a long time. What do you think is the last novel by old Stevie K that my mom read? Oh, okay. This is fun. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I have a feeling it's going to be something insane. It's going to be like, oh, I haven't read a Stephen King novel since Carrie. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. Not that far back. It is, it is not, we were, we were out of high school. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I am going to say it wouldn't be, uh, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of the most like crazy, like one, would it be wind through the keyhole? No, no. Okay, okay. I give up. <clears throat> Further back than that, uh, oh, okay. it was under the dome. Under the dome. Oh, really? Now, did that she the last read time it? She read. Did she read it like when your dad read it too? Because I know that your dad read it in like a night or something like that. Something ridiculous like that. Didn't he? I think it was. I don't. Maybe it's possible. Mm-hmm. My mom can read like the wind. Yeah. Um, my dad's not as fast. I think if, okay. if that happened, it was probably my mom. Like she, okay. she can read. I mean, there are several novel novels she's read in one wow. day. Um, yeah. So Jeez. it could, it, I don't, I don't know if under the dome was, but um, she, she's read several novels. Like there's several novels that she's read in a day. Um, nice. Okay. But yeah. So yeah, I, wow. I, I, that was, I was like, wow, that's, I was like that. I was like, Under the Dome came out in 2009. I thought maybe it was a little <laughs> older than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, that's 14 years ago, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, and it's wild to think of that in anyway. Um, yeah, yeah, that's wild. Um, I don't know if she's read it yet. Okay, I was funny. just going to ask. I'm not sure if she's even... Yeah, I don't even know if she started it yet, so... <laughs> nice. Uh, well, definitely keep us uh, keep us um, up to date on that, because I'd, I'd be curious to know what she thought of it. Totally. Um, yeah. Um, and that's your only check-in? That's my only check-in, yes. Okay. So I only have really one check-in or two, one check-in and one shameless self-promotion. Um, the check-in is uh, regarding our friend Kim C and her show, The Year of Underrated Stephen King. Um, I started listening to her episode covering the Langoliers um, tonight while I was getting ready for the podcast and everything. And, uh, first of all, it was really funny because she, um, references lost in it. And like, she like prefaces it by saying that, like, she references me and says like, like she and I have sparred about lost on the show a little bit. And, uh, <laughs> and she says, so I'll put this as delicately as I can. And like, cause she's not like, she, she appreciates lost, but, um, <clears throat> 
I think she does. She, I think she doesn't have, uh, she's, she's not, she's not fond of the ending, but anyway, um, that's just kind of a shameless promotion of her show that, uh, she's covering for past midnight, which is one of my favorite novella collections, um, of King. And, uh, it was her, her episode covering the Langoliers is a lot of fun. Um, yeah. And there's some really fun anecdotes about it too. So, uh, so check that out. The year of underrated Stephen King. And, um, I've got my other check-in is a shameless plug for the Patreon. So, um, couple things. One is as we are about to, uh, review fairy tale, I want to mention that I did a six part series, um, on like a read along review on Patreon, um, where basically six installments, um, around, I cover around a hundred pages per installment and recordings, uh, range from 30 minutes to 45 minutes. Just me sharing my thoughts on that segment of the, of the, um, book and a total runtime of four hours of content on Patreon. Uh, so check that out on patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. But I want to mention that I have just, uh, kind of tweaked the tiers on Patreon a little bit. So, um, so if you're a fan of tower junkies, but you, for whatever reason, you don't, you don't like listen to obsessive viewer or, um, anthology or other podcasts, um, and you are interested in the Patreon, but you don't want to be just bombarded with a bunch of like, oh, um, you know, (laughs) obsessive viewer stuff and stuff that has nothing to do with Stephen King. Um, I have created a $4 Patreon tier that is just, what it is, is it is just the Stephen King related content on our Patreon. So, um, at the $1 level, we do B-roll recordings and kind of off the cuff stuff, early access to episodes, all that stuff. $2, we do TV and movie and book reaction recordings and immediate reaction recordings and special episodes. And then $5, we get, um, more, uh, robust movie reviews. Like I call them Patreon potpourri where I put like a bunch of reviews together, um, uh, across like four movies and then, uh, also commentary tracks. So, um, uh, so we have a Patreon level for $4 that takes all of the Stephen King content that's on the one, two and $5 levels and packages them together on the $4 level. So all that's to say, if you want to support the show on Patreon and don't want to have to uh, dive through a bunch of crap, (laughs) not crap, it's all good stuff. (laughs) Um, uh, If you want to, if you don't want to have to wade through a whole bunch of non Stephen King related stuff, um, you can, uh, you can, you can pledge the $4 a month and get access to just uh, Stephen King, uh, content. So that's the plug for Patreon. Uh, again, that's at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. Um, and that's all the check-ins I have. Um, uh, tiny, do you want to get into our review of fairy tale? Yes, sir. Okay, awesome. So now we're going to review Fairy Tale. <laughs> uh, of course, we're going to do a non-spoiler and spoiler section. So um, I'm going to just give some information up top, and then we're going to go into non-spoilers, uh, the non-spoiler portion of the review for Fairy Tale. So Fairy Tale was originally published on September 6th, 2022. 
um, in hardcover and on audiobook. Um, the page count is 608 pages, and the synopsis, courtesy of SimonandSchuster.com, is... Legendary storyteller Stephen King goes into the deepest well of his imagination in this spellbinding novel about a 17-year-old boy who inherits the keys to a parallel world where good and evil are at war, and the stakes could not be higher for that world or ours. Charlie Reed looks like a regular high school kid, great at baseball and football, a decent student, but he carries a heavy load. His mom was killed in a hit-and-run accident when he was seven, and grief drove his dad to drink. Charlie learned how to take care of himself and his dad. When Charlie is 17, he meets a dog named Radar and her aging master, Howard Bowditch, a recluse in a big house at the top of a big hill with a locked shed in the backyard. Sometimes strange sounds emerge from it. Charlie starts doing jobs for Mr. Bowditch and loses his heart to Radar. Then, when Bowditch dies, he leaves Charlie a cassette tape telling him a story no one would believe. When Bowditch knows what Bowditch knows and has kept secret all his long life is that inside the shed is a portal to another world. So, Tiny, um, in non-spoilers, uh, first of all, how did you consume this piece of media? Did you read it? Did you listen to the audiobook? And in non-spoilers, what did you think about Fairy Tale and the adventure of Charlie Reed and Radar? Yes, I uh, I did the audiobook for this one. Nice. Um, that's 99 times out of 100. That's how I roll, just because it's so convenient. Yeah. Um, uh, this was narrated by Seth Numrich, who also yes. did. Um, oh, uh, did he do gosh. later? Later, thank later. you. Yeah. yeah, I yeah, I don't know yeah. why that was escaping me, but yeah, he did later. <laughs> um, I'm a fan. I think he does a really good job. So, me too. Um, and I, 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 I was, enjoyed. Yeah, I'm sorry. So sorry. I was I, I was floored. I was floored that he was able like that he got to narrate like a full like full length novel because later is very yeah. very brief. So yeah, right. Right. So yeah, I um I started listening to this not right away. I think I waited a month or two, but um I, I finished it back in December, I think. Um mm-hmm. so yeah, uh I um I I I was anxious to get to it. Like it wasn't one of those things where it's like, oh yeah, I need to be listening to fairy tale. Like I wanted when I had downtime, I was like, oh, I'm gonna listen to this because I'm into the story. And um, it's it's compelling, and I'm thinking about it when I'm not reading it, which are all really good signs. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. I, I I ended up really enjoying Fairy Tale. Um, I I think it is a flawed book. I don't I I don't know that it's going to be a top nineteen. I think it could. Um, but I think I was just really into the story. Like it was just a fun adventure story. It it mm-hmm. totally it totally made me think of something like, um, you know, not uh, uh, Narnia, like the, the lion, the witch and the wardrobe, or, yeah. um, you know, uh, obviously there's, there's, uh, you know, fa- fantasy parallels with something like Lord of the Rings or even Stephen King's dark tower. I think, I yeah. think very early on, I mentioned to you, Hey, I wonder if this is going to be dark tower. Like, I wonder if there's <laughs> yeah. going to be, so an Easter egg or some some mentions of characters or locations or something about time as a wheel or spoke mm. or something like that or something about beams. I was like, <laughs> I could totally see that coming up in this story. And I think part of my enthusiasm was me coming coming back to it wanting to get to that point. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of funny 
Um, because it's not, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> right. it's it is it is its own. I don't mean to spoil anything, but it's mm-hmm. this is its own story. I don't. He doesn't try to connect it to anything. It doesn't reference other works directly. Really, mm-hmm. it's it's a very it's a very self-contained and um, uh, I don't want to say one of a kind, but it's it's you know it's it's not it's not trying to shoehorn in other other references or other works or other worlds that he's created before. This is genuinely a brand new fresh palette that he is painting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just appreciated it for that. And I thought the um, good versus evil um, theme of the story was nice and simple and just, just, just consumable. Like I just mm-hmm. wanted to, it was, it was like, it was like watching a serial show. I just wanted to come back to it because I wanted to know what happens next. Not because I was, you know, super enthralled by the references it was making or it had anything super unique to say. It was just a good story at the end of the day. Nice. Well said. And I, I do think that there's a lot to say about it being the, its own self-contained story. It's not, trying to it's a big enough story in itself that it doesn't it isn't trying he isn't trying to like you said shoehorn in it into the king multiverse or anything like that so that's definitely a feather in the cap of the book um for me in uh, non-spoiler terms i enjoyed this book quite a bit um toward the end i kind of it 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 kind of didn't go the route that i really wanted it to i kind of feel like it it kind of i kind of feel like it it petered out a little bit but what i liked about it was just that sense of scale and imagination of it um throughout most of the book uh king just develops charlie reed as a character his he's a first person narrator in the book and he just devolves to the divulges to the audience um, so much about his own personal pain and suffering and his his outlook on the world and everything. And then when you uh, get into the meat of the story, you're introduced to this kind of just this classic fairy tale imagination, like dripping storyline of good versus evil. And the arc that he goes on, like the the journey that he goes on is really, really strong and, and very compelling. It's a lot of, like there are sections of the book where I'm like, like I, I also listen to the audiobook. And since I did the read along review on Patreon, I basically would have to stop after a certain point and then record a review and then I would be able to progress. There was like one at one point I was walking around my com- my complex listening to the audiobook and then like I walked over to a nearby coffee shop and I like I had taken my laptop and I was just typing up notes as I'm listening to the audiobook and I'm just sitting there thinking like I don't want to put this down. It is just I'm so wrapped up in the story in the adventure and in what is being presented to me about this other world that he's in. And that's like, that, that is kind of premium King for me. Um, but as the story kind of like pressed on, there was a point where I'm like, okay, well I have like X number of pages left. Like, how are they like this? uh, It's both a compliment to the story and ultimately to the story's overall detriment that I'm like, I, I want like 300 more pages than what we've got. Like this, <clears throat> it's already a big novel. It's six 600 pages, which is nothing to sneeze at, 
But toward the end, I'm like, this. there's so much story in this story that I feel like it could have been an extra two to 300 pages long uh, to really dive into the good versus evil of it. And I think that um, because we don't have that, there, there's a level of... Um, uh, not brevity, but it, it's a level of just quick movement through the latter part of the book that kind of just felt a little bit unsatisfying to me. Um, but like I said, the, the, the imagination at play and the way that, um, the way that Charlie's journey just progresses throughout this other world is, is really, uh, really compelling for me. So I enjoyed the book overall. It sounds like I enjoyed it maybe a little bit less than you did, Tiny, but um, mm-hmm. I, I really, I really enjoyed it. I mean, it's good. I mean, it's King. It's good King stuff. So, um, totally. yeah. Um, while we're still in non-spoilers, do you want to talk about the character of Charlie Reed and, and in particular, the, like the first, first, like, third or maybe like half of the book where it's mostly him bonding with radar and Mr. Bowditch and, uh, dealing with kind of the pain or the grief of, uh, still the grief of, um, like his mother dying when he was at a young age and his father's sobriety. Like, how did you feel about that kind of arc through the first half of the book? Um, I, I thought, I thought Charlie was a, uh, or Charlie, um, <laughs> was, I, I love that character. I can't wait to talk about that. Yes. Um, I, I thought he was actually a deeper character than he even needed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of surprised at the depth of, of his character. Um, because the, 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 there's several themes that play throughout his development and his, progress through this story mm-hmm. um that are more than just interesting it, it really influences how he makes his way through the story yeah. um i i think to me one of the most interesting parts is that he feels he almost has this kind of chip on his shoulder because he is undeniably like, like a good kid like he's yeah. you know he, he's good at sports gets good grades um uh you know helped his dad achieve sobriety in some mm-hmm. ways and uh you know he's he's undeniably a good kid but he keeps coming back to the idea that he has to make up for what he did in the past where yeah. he kind of gives the audience this sort of vague uh vague description of just kind of doing some what i would call kind of normal teenage boy stuff um mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm not saying like boys will be boys but you know they like they like what like blew up some uh, like put fire fireworks in people's mailboxes, mailboxes and stuff like yeah. that. I mean, it's you know, it's not it's it's nothing crazy, right? Yeah. But but I I I, I understand why he feels the way he does, <laughs> and I, I think I think he it's admirable that he wants to make up for something that most people would kind of write off as just mm-hmm. stupid teenage crap. Um. But maybe because he's still a teenager himself, it's it has more weight to it in that regard. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just I I really liked the idea that he, the entire onus for him going on this adventure is that he's trying to make up for stuff he's done in the past, um, and yeah. and he still he still has all this other um, trauma really. Mm-hmm 
that influences him that he has every right to be upset about um like the loss of his mother and mm-hmm. he he while he loves his dad absolutely he he still harbors some anger and resentment at his dad yeah for all all the nights that he had to get him to bed or had to take care of himself because his dad was too drunk mm-hmm. um it, it's it's kind of amazing that he's as good of a kid as he is um so i i, I think all all that all those pieces of twine wound into a big twine ball of who <laughs> charlie is 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 really interesting to watch it roll down the hill through this story um i i, I kind of love that I, I love how deep king went with it because again i really don't think we needed a character that deep to get mm-hmm. us through this story but it uh it led us down some really good paths and uh i appreciated it for that yeah i definitely agree with you there and there's there's an there's multiple levels to that as well because not only is he trying to atone for the kind of stuff that he did with birdie um in his youth <laughs> relative youth um not only is he wanting to do that because he does have like there is like that one thing that he felt was unforgivable that isn't revealed to us until later in the in the book but um for the most part he does have that just sense of um really he he does have that sense of um regret and um in addition to that he has that it, it's kind of, it kind of falls by the wayside a little bit later in the book but um in the early parts of the book like his whole his whole reason for um for bonding with Mr. Bodich and for working with Mr. Bodich and doing doing odd jobs for him and everything is because he is a he is he views the opportunity to do that as a sign from god or whatever deity there is because he like in his darkest moments when he is very much like um angry about his dad and he he wants like he's he prays that his dad gets sober and he wants like he promises like god or whoever he promises like i will i will do anything you want just please let him get sober and everything and he does and so <laughs> he sees like mr bodich as like okay he's it's his penance for uh, for asking God to to help his father, and then that leads to all the stuff in Impus and everything. Um, so I, I find that to be really interesting because, like you said, he is also dealing with that regret and that inner that inner turmoil of trying to figure out if he is if he really is a good person or if he ha- has the capability of having this dark well within him um, that he can that he can pull from to do things that aren't that good on the surface or anything. Um, so the morality, uh, at the center of this book is really fascinating to me. And, and the way that Charlie kind of takes on these challenges as he goes through is, is, is really kind of the best part of the book for me. Even if the book kind of faltered by the end for me, um, that kind of moral, moral compass of Charlie Reed uh, free band name is, um, is really, really, um, is really fascinating to me. And the way that King kind of plays it out is, is very, very, uh, compelling. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think he's, um, one word I didn't mention that I think describes him well is also mature. I think, I think, a, a 17 year old, um, analyzing themselves. So, 
accurately or so not accurately but so uh with yeah. such depth is kind of surprising like most 17 year olds are uh, you know horny idiots running around <laughs> doing dumb shit um mm-hmm. and he's not that i mean he actually gives up you know he gives up sports gives mm-hmm. up football and stuff like that to to walk down this path it's kind of amazing mm-hmm. um so yeah he's, he's also just he's surprisingly mature as well yeah yeah and that really helps with that that self-awareness it, it comes across so genuinely um and i think that that's definitely a credit to king's writing um he just really has this um this strength in writing the inner monologues of the character and in really demonstrating the um kind of point a to point b of his journey really um which is really really impressive because i mean he charlie is a as a young character he's 17 so it's just interesting because i know that king can kind of struggle with you know youth um in his storytelling a little bit at least these days um but when he has a very precocious character as a teenager it comes across incredibly well well done and and well drawn so uh i really mm-hmm. liked it yeah yeah totally yeah um <clears throat> what other stuff can we talk about in non-spoilers for this book cuz i feel like that's really really brief um but what else in, yeah. in non-spoilers uh the relationship between um, him and radar you want to talk about that yes, a little bit? That um I I feel like it's um it's just really wholesome, you know, like mm-hmm. um obviously dogs like radar do exist where they're mm-hmm. v- you know, very intelligent dogs and super loyal and yeah. they're truly are they they are truly characters in someone's story. Yeah. Those dogs exist for sure. Um and uh radar is one of them you know uh, it's it's so i i am a sucker for a dog i adore dogs i just yeah i i like if you if you go to my instagram or tiktok <laughs> accounts like most of the accounts i follow are like dogs and then diy stuff like <laughs> that's mostly what nice. i follow um I, just, I love dogs and so like i i'm a sucker for a great a great bond between a person mm-hmm. and a dog in a story so like he King had me hook, line, and sinker with, you know, yeah. the relationship between Radar and Charlie, um, and also Ra- Radar and Mr. Bowditch, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's, Mr. Bowditch is basically willing to do everything, uh, you know, risk his life for his dog, and that's mm-hmm. so wholesome and adorable and, and oh, yeah. great and fun. And I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm so glad to, um, I feel like King, King's go-to pet is a cat. Like there's been so many, so many cats throughout his stories. I guess mm-hmm. maybe I'm wrong, but you know, I I guess I just, I think of Church obviously is the yeah. the the obvious example from Pet Cemetery. But um, maybe maybe I'm just there've been there've been quite a few dogs. Something. Yeah, there's yeah, been, they're having. I mean, yeah. hell, Cujo is a whole Cujo. goddamn story about a dog. Yeah, yeah, um, but also um, the Tommyknockers. Um, what's her name's yeah. dog? Isn't it? Um, Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oi, oi, kind of has a oh, canine, yeah. you know, uh, mm-hmm. role, if you will. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I, I, it was, it was just, I, I'm, I'm a sucker for it, and uh, it totally delivered for me. Nice. I, 
same here to an extent. So um, I'll expand more on this and spoilers and everything, but I feel like like you, that relationship in the book really got me hook, line, and sinker. I was fully anticipating this story to be all about Charlie and Radar and it being about the power of that bond and everything. But I feel like at a certain point, that becomes... At a, at a certain point, the story of Charlie and Radar reaches its conclusion... Like like the story that's set up for those two characters reaches like the the final stage of its story, and then their relationship becomes secondary to all the other stuff going on in Empus, and that was where the book kind of lost me a little bit because I wanted to be more invest I wanted it to be more invested in Charlie and Radar and. I had this idea and and like I felt like I was on the on the right, right wavelength through the, like the first third of the book because these as it is as it's stated in the synopsis and everything um Charlie's mother died uh when he was a young age and then Mr. Bowditch passes away kind of as the uh the kind of jump start of the main plot of the book and everything and I really thought that that was going to be the focal point of the bond between Charlie and Radar. I thought that it was going to be these two, these two souls grieving the loss of, of people like people in their lives. And then the, the bond growing there. And there's a little bit of that. There's a little bit of that throughout the novel that is satisfying and everything, but I wanted that to be the focal point. And as much as I enjoyed the imagination aspect in the, in the just, kind of at times a little grotesque, um, like stuff in Empus and in his adventure in the other world and everything. Like as much as I enjoyed that, I, I just felt like at a certain point, the relationship between Charlie and Radar kind of just becomes secondary or tertiary uh, to the story. And that's where like my interest kind of waned a little bit as much as I was interested in uh, the imagination of the story going forward. It just felt like it just, it just didn't really, um, satisfy that itch anymore after a certain point. Did you feel any of that or, um, um, it, yeah, it did take a backseat for sure. Um, their, their journey kind of took a backseat and it's a little, um, I, I don't, I don't know that it bothered me, but I feel like Charlie goes on this journey for the dog mm-hmm. and ends up and ends up going a different route and not not yeah. going a different route but take taking on this whole other responsibility yeah and um i mean really you know he 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 talks about how his priority is helping and taking care of radar that's mm-hmm. why he's there that's that is the onus of his journey of their journey um but he takes on all these other responsibilities and kind of promises a lot of stuff to other people yeah and i i don't know that it's hard to buy or tough to swallow but it's Mm -hmm. um it's it's kind of i i think i think maybe he doesn't specifically say that he sees it as part of his atonement i -hmm. guess or if he's just basically trying to be a good person and help these people i i don't really know if it's ever explicitly laid out why he does that. But I, I think it's just, you know, 
in, in a good versus an e- good versus evil situation, yeah, the good guy is going to make the good decisions and do the good things. So mm-hmm. it just, I think it was sort of a natural path, I guess. Um, yeah, and and I kind of feel like this is probably going to be a little bit reductive of of the story and everything, and and I don't think it's necessarily as clear as as I'm about to say it, but it kind of feels like. To a certain extent, the relationship between Charlie and Radar, the the bond that forms seems to be catering more to developing Charlie as the inherent good guy of the story, to really solidify that he is a good guy and a good person, while also introducing his um his level of um kind of uh conflict of his morality in his brain in terms of his regret over the stuff that he's done in the past and his his lack of confidence in whether or not he's a, he's an inherently good person um but that i don't know maybe this it maybe it boils down to me just kind of expecting it to be a different story <laughs> um and wanting it to be a different story instead of being that good versus evil um other world kind of conflict. Um, but I, I don't know. I just, I just kind of wanted more. I always want more of a bond between an animal and a character. (laughs) So, um, what we got was satisfying. It was good. It was just unexpectedly, um, unexpectedly taken to unexpected, unexpectedly takes a backseat, um, after a certain point. So that was kind of an adjustment for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we haven't talked really at all about Empus and the other world and everything. So, um, we're going to probably have to save most of that for spoilers, but before we go into spoilers, do you want to kind of give an overview of what you thought about, um, the lore of Empus and the history and like the, the way that King just develops that before, before our eyes and ears, um, <laughs> throughout the story once he gets there uh kind of in non-spoilers do you want to share um how you felt about the world yeah i thought it was um pretty well done for a single book that's Mm -hmm. presumably not going to have any sequels or anything or uh maybe even any prequels or anything you know i i thought it was pretty well done you know he's at stephen king is a very good world building author you know he um He's not afraid to write a long book. He's not afraid to take a detour in a story in order to develop a character or develop a plot point or develop anything for that matter, including develop his world. Um, And he did a a great job with this. Mm -hmm. I I, I had a ton of empathy for the uh, people who live in Empus. I I liked how there was this um sort of tone um and a uh like a collective trauma amongst all these people who are as Charlie is making his way they're kind to him and they're welcoming to him but they're also obviously suffering. Yeah. Um and it's it, that that is an interest that automatically I'm like okay what's going on here this is really this is sad, disturbing, interesting, intriguing. I want to know what's going on here. And it totally pulled me in. Um, so I really liked that. Um, I also, um, maybe this is a more of a choice from Seth Numrich, who mm-hmm. uh, narrated the, the, the 
book, but I really liked his uh, Empus accent. Um, yeah. It was it definitely was not like a like a simple generic British accent. It seemed like more of a he was going for like a Northern England, like little more of a like almost Scottish. Um, there's a little bit of Irish in there too, maybe. Um, but just this really, and you know, there's there's some uh, kind kind of like in the Dark Tower. There's some unique um, unique phrasing and and stuff that's unique to this story. That's not just you know, um, it's it has it has its own language at times, and that's really just fun you know not not every author thinks to go that deep with it and and i i just appreciated that i i think i think the some of the backstory stuff like with the royal family was a bit rushed mm-hmm. and could have been fleshed out better um like if there is a um prequel or something that comes out of this book it that, that would be an interesting storyline i think um to see you know what empus was like before um before all this before the story mm-hmm. um or you know a young a young mr bowditch could also be kind of interesting mm-hmm. um but yeah i i you know i i think i think empus was built well i mean I, re- mm-hmm. I really do especially since a lot of this book like the first third of it takes place here in earth like there's so much yeah. so much of the story is committed committed to charlie um taking over for Mr. Bowditch and becoming his friend and helping him as home and becoming a caretaker for him and for radar, like before mm-hmm. he ever goes to Empus. I mean, it's like a third of the book. Um, so, yeah. I mean, Stephen King kind of ha- hamstrung himself a little bit in that regard. It's like, okay, I gotta, like, I have to build this whole world in two thirds of my novel. Like I don't need yeah. like the whole first third of my novel mm-hmm. is, is dedicated to other things, which of course I freaking loved, you oh, know, yeah. I mean, he just, he, when it comes to that part, the the setup, he left no stone unturned, and I mm-hmm. loved that. Um, it was great. So yeah, sorry, I kind of I went off and went on a bit of a tangent. Oh there, no, but. no, not at all. Um, I agree, and that's where I kind of think that it would have been better served to have an extra like two hundred pages in that in that second or, or last third of the novel. Um, and interesting, totally. totally. Yeah, uh, the rest of the kind of about the book section on Simon and Schuster, um, I thought this was interesting that um, uh, it says early in the pandemic, King asked himself, what could you write that would make you happy? Um, And then he's quoted as saying, as if my imagination had been waiting for the question to be asked, I saw a vast deserted city, deserted but alive. I saw the empty streets, the haunted buildings, a gargoyle head lying overturned in the street. I saw smashed statues of what I didn't know, but I eventually found out. I saw a huge sprawling palace with glass towers so high their tips pierced the clouds. Those images released the story I wanted to tell. Um, so I find that interesting that in in a certain respect, this is this is a, a response to the pandemic for King um, in a certain respect. This is part of, I I would say, judging from that, I could extrapolate that to mean that this could be something that was born out of the isolation of, of the COVID-19 pandemic in, in a sense. Um, do you, do you see what I mean there? <laughs> like, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I totally get that. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think it's interesting that this story came out of that, you know, you yeah. think there'd be more, um, 
I don't know, more isolation maybe in mm-hmm. the story, but there's none. Like, I mean, yeah. not really anyways, mm-hmm. and not anything significant. It's all, yeah. I mean, if anything, Charlie, you know, he's, he gains so many friends. There's, there's yeah. very little isolation in this story. So yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. know. That's, it's interesting that that's, that's where this came from. Yeah. It's interesting because it, like you said, it's not a lot of isolation per se, but there's just a lot of, um, <laughs> I would call it aged despair um, because when he gets to Empus and he learns about the backstory, about the the galleons and everything, it, it just feels like this sense of despair uh, across the land that really, really kind of um, helps helps build up the rest of the story. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm kind of beating around the bush. Do you want to go into spoilers? <laughs> yeah, let's go. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to go into spoilers for Fairy Tale. Um, so if you haven't read it, go uh, read it and uh, or and or listen to it and and come back and listen to the spoiler section. But in order to break us off into spoilers, I'm going to play a clip from or I'm going to play music um, <laughs> to bring us into spoilers. Uh, once again, for those leaving us in this episode, check out Patreon, patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. Um, and check out that $4 Patreon tier for only Stephen King related stuff, which by the way, I have a bunch of book reviews of Stephen King stuff, um, story by story, uh, reviews of his short story collections, um, and uh, several commentary tracks, including The Shining, Dr. Sleep, It Chapter 2, uh, or It Chapter 1, I'm not sure which one, uh, but whichever one is not on the main feed of Tower Junkies, and just a whole bunch of stuff, so check that out, patreon.com slash obsessive viewer, and now we're going to go into spoilers for Fairy Tale. Okay, so spoilers on for Fairy Tale and Tiny. The first thing I want to bring up, uh, since we both uh, listened to the audiobook, um, there is such a delightful, um, such a delightful surprise in the audiobook that is kind of given away um, on the cover of it because it says it's narrated by Seth Numerich and Stephen King. Um, the part where after Bowditch dies and Charlie finds the tape, I like I guffawed and I was just blown away by Stephen King popping up to perform uh to for to perform the narration of the audio cassette tape from Mr. Bowditch. How did you feel about that? Did you have a- any reaction to that? Yeah, of course I loved it. I mean, nice. how could I not? Oh I, yeah, yeah. It, it, Stephen King is, uh, I don't know if we talked about him much on here, but he is a proponent of audiobooks. Like oh, he's yeah. and, and digital books. Like he's, he's been on board with that since the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I think I want to say it's in, um, on writing. Maybe he has anecdotes about having his son basically record books on tape for him. Yeah. He would um, have, uh, him. yeah, he would have Owen, uh, read read books and record them so that he could listen back to them. And then another anecdote he has is that he would listen to the audiobooks for the Dark Tower every time he would go back to writing a writing a Dark Tower novel, just to refamiliarize himself with the world and everything. Um, 
So yeah, so he is he is a big proponent of audiobooks, and I love that about him. Yeah, I love that too. Um, and that you know him him doing that illustrates his dedication to it. And I, oh yeah, I love it. And you know he's he's an old son of a bitch now, so him <laughs> yeah. doing a voice for an old man is pretty fitting. It unfortunately. is, but yeah, very crotchety performance and very thick. Yeah, uh, right. He he kind of he he takes down. Or I don't know if it's necessarily I don't know thick accent. That's not really his own, but it's 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 a lot of fun. It's it's a joy. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but the other thing I kind of want to bring up and, and touch on is a couple of the references and then we can get into the meat of the story and everything. Um, there are a lot of little references here and there. Um, the ones that I caught, um, were, uh, their reference to child Roland to the dark tower came, uh, that's kind of early on in the book. And then, uh, someone tells Charlie, there are other worlds than these, um, and then uh, something I keyed into and I talked about on my Patreon recordings is that when uh, he's talking about Birdie, I think it's Birdie, um, in like interacting or being chased by Radar when they were younger, um, I found this interesting and I don't know, I'll have to go back and like kind of chart how this goes, how this goes in King's writing, but um, he references it uh, like saying like, oh, that dog is vicious. He's like, he's like, um, or she's like, uh, that dog Cujo in the movie Cujo. And I found that really interesting because I feel like there is likely a pattern where King will reference the movie if the, if it's not something that is in like a shared universe. So like by like, if he, if he were to set this in like, uh, around like Castle Rock or Chamberlain, Maine or wherever Cujo takes place um, and wanted to tie it in with Cujo, he would have said like, oh, like that rabid dog dog that killed a bunch of people. But instead it's like, okay, he's not connecting it to that. It has nothing to do with Cujo. So we're going to reference the movie. And I just, I, I don't know. I just, I'm tickled by that. Um, okay. That yeah. didn't jump out to me. Or I guess oh. I, I haven't noticed that, that trend of his. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a hopeful trend. I don't know if there I don't know if there's a pattern, but I feel like there is maybe something there to that. Um but then the other one that I want to want to mention is that he um at the end of the novel Charlie uh oh, it's when he goes back when he goes back home and he sees the missing child posters and everything. His uh, full name is on it as uh Charlie McGee Reed which is great because it's a Firestarter reference because the little girl in Firestarter mm. is Charlie McGee. Um, so I, I enjoyed that. So Okay. Anyway. Nice. Yeah. Were there any other references that you caught or? Um... <clears throat> uh, nothing that jumps out. Yeah. I no, Nothing that jumps to mind. I'm okay. sure there's probably something. But yeah, yeah. There's probably some that I'm forgetting, forgetting to, but, um, but yeah, but let's yeah. talk about it in spoilers. How did you feel about the, about the book and spoilers? Um, again, still, still really enjoyed it. Um, I think, uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to decide what my favorite part is mm. or like what, what, what I love so much about it. But, um, I, I think one of the best parts is the fact that, uh, it, it was told in first, the first person from Charlie and it's, it's his perspective in the future like he's grown up he's been through this story already he's recounting it for us yeah um i think that was a good choice and i i especially enjoyed that 
for the the kind of denouement, the climax and mm-hmm. the the denouement where he's sort of explaining, um, you know, yeah, so Radar ended up living another, you know, eleven years or what? I can't even remember mm-hmm. what the numbers are, but yeah, um, she she died five years ago or whatever, and uh, I can't even calculate how long she lived or whatever. Um, and and I, I I really love the fact that this story was completely put to bed. Like he mm-hmm. he he literally sealed up the entrance to empus yeah um with like bricks and concrete and stuff so um because as as i was reading this story i was like we're coming back here this is gonna (laughs) be we have to right Mm -hmm. and like i i would i mean i love the fact that it's self-contained but i would be so on board to go back to empus again without question um and I just think it's so it's so interesting how he fully committed to that. Like, no, this is a one time story. He's yeah. not, and 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 also the character of Charlie. He's like, mm-hmm. I'm never going back there because, and and I think you know it's a bit a bit of a cautionary cautionary tale because it's never. I don't know that it's overtly mentioned or like brought up how much time Mister Bowditch spent there, but mm-hmm. we know it was a lot. Like, because yeah. he was so detached from real life and was so behind on you know technology and news and mm-hmm. um the goings on of the real real world quote unquote yeah um that he had spent probably decades in empis um yeah long, and, and i think yeah oh i'm sorry i was gonna say and I, I realize i'm wrong as i'm about to say but like long enough to where he come he came back as his own son uh um, right but I guess that's that's true because I, I mean, in terms of being on the uh, sundial, um, but it's it's enough time right. had passed in our world that he could he could come back as his own son. I don't know. And anyway, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah, but yeah. that's that that you know plays to the point that uh, it. I think he took he kind of chose Charlie chose like hey he chose if I, if I go back here, I'm not going to want to leave. You know, yeah. I'm going to fall in love with the princess and Mm -hmm. she's going to fall in love with me. And he's like, I'm going to, I think he sort of thinks, you know, if I stay here, I'm going to leave my own fingerprints all over this and sort of, he's like, I'm going to, um, in a way, maybe kind of corrupt this, this Mm -hmm. world. Not that he's a bad guy or that it would necessarily be for the worse. It's just that he, he would inevitably bring, his world and and Mm -hmm. tempest and maybe cheapen it or change it a little bit and take away some of its charm and wonder i think you know and that's all interpreted by me that's Mm -hmm. not that's not overtly explained or anything but i feel like maybe that's what was at play when he decided Mm -hmm. to do that because i mean if this was me if i was in his shoes i would totally go back there and maybe visit it often you Mm -hmm. know because it's such an such an incredible magical place um i just thought that was such a cool choice uh that he decided to contain this to one book seals Mm -hmm. it off done i thought that was really interesting me too and with with charlie his choice there it does seem like it is it's the opposite of what mr bowditch did mr bowditch invested so much of his time in empis and uh, there's that common or that repeated refrain throughout it where uh, he says that Mr. Bowditch says that um, presents are for our people who give presents are cowards or something like that. Um, uh, and, and that's something that I feel like is 
like you're right on the money with that, that if Charlie returned and brought stuff like not even like physical objects from our world into, into Empus, but just bringing that influence and that life uh, into Empus, it could maybe not, maybe not fully corrupt it, but it would change it into where it would lessen the magic of Empus, I guess. And that also is what what kind of it comes down to at the end where he he kind of professes his love to uh to Leah and says that um like he he tells her that he can that he could see himself creating a life there and everything with her and she just flat out says like you don't belong here like this is not like this is this is not your world and and um that's kind of the that's kind of the impetus for him to go back um, and return, which is great because he needs to go back, um, obviously. But um, the other side of that is um, I, I kind of wonder, I, I, like one of the things that I was fascinated about was um, I loved what we got of the lore and the mythology of Empus and the Galleons and their downfall and the curse that was afflicted between among the remaining Galleons. Um Leah's Leah's mouth being sewn shut and it makes me cringe and and just grosses me out that there's like a scar that she has to open up to just to just to uh, take sustenance um ugh, it just that that just mm, that that really makes me uncomfortable um and then mm. at the end when she like forces her mouth open to scream at at uh um at her brother at flight killer um Elden? Elden. Elden. Um that yeah. just that that was that was powerful. But um but anyway, I I kind of lost my train of thought there, but oh, oh, that's what I was going to say. Um actually, do you have anything to say about that because I have another topic I'm going to bring up. Um but I don't want to overload the conversation. Um I just I appreciated the creative choice where mm-hmm. the members of the royal family all have these different uh like sensory afflictions that was yeah i i agree it was also like you you said it was kind of cringy that mixed with the gray mm-hmm. was again just these the a lot of the sensory um sensory descriptions that were kind of potent and really yeah um i feel like i could visualize them all really well and they felt uh very genuine and effective yeah i just that that's that's all i really have to say about that yeah yeah, uh, absolutely. The the emphasis on the the sensories uh and everything was really good. But um the next part I was going to bring up was the the idea of Charlie being uh conflicted about his morality and everything, but also the fact that he is fulfilling a role in the fairy tale of Empus in that I really like the idea, like this kind of spiritual level of the book in that in his time in the first like third of the book, when he's like in his normal life, he's talking about how, you know, the world, the universe, God, Ka, whatever you want to call it, has placed Mr. Bowditch in his in his like world so that he can help him and then by extension help Empus. And then when he gets to Empus, he is like as he's meeting people and he's learning about everything like it he is he's immediately referred to as definitely not being the prince that was promised <laughs> like he's not blonde he's not he's he looks nothing like what was prophesized um but as he's going through the story as he's going through this adventure and getting deeper into 
into the world like the world empress changes him into like it fits him into the into the prince that was promised and that's what leads to him being able to facilitate the coming of the queen and the fall, downfall of flight killer and and um all of that i just love this idea that he's not he wasn't born as the as the prince like he wasn't destined to be that it felt like empress and the magic of empress just just saw the opportunity to create in him and saw the saw the level to which he could become the savior of empress to an extent um and just basically thrust it on him i just i think that that's a really interesting um interesting storytelling arc by king um it's i mean it's it's like the reluctant hero and everything it's just really it's really good stuff so i don't know how did you feel about his his embracing of the prophecy yeah again i yeah. i think it was it sort of clashed with uh you brought it up earlier i think it kind of clashed with his journey to help radar yeah um and and i it's it's interesting that he decided to take all that on you know mm-hmm. because he he suffers deeply for it yeah um uh but yeah i i i relate to it because i don't think i'd be able to if i were there i don't think i'd be able to look at all these people with these afflictions and not mm-hmm. help them yeah um, you know so I, I i respect it and i i found it really interesting and and nice. i liked it and i think it was um, I like your analysis that I think the role was kind of, it wasn't destiny. It was just mm-hmm. kind of an opportunity yeah. that the magic of Empus chose him and was like, Hey, you're going to do this. And he was almost, uh, almost reluctantly took it on or mm-hmm. uh, it was reluctantly thrust upon him, I guess. Yeah. Um, that's, that is also kind of fascinating because I feel I feel like, you know, he's a character who's been embracing uh, doing doing things and taking things on and trying to be a better person, but he didn't really have a choice in this, which was kind of interesting. Yeah, and and I feel like this is going to be a novel that when I return to it and listen to it again or read it again, uh, I might, my affection for it might grow because I just, I, ke- I keep getting the, like the sticking point for me is the the way that the book feels i mean it's it's basically in in three parts it's basically his time with mr bodich and his time in empis getting radar to the sundial and then his time being held captive and then saving the world <laughs> um like it's it takes that kind of structure and that's good that's all well and good that's well drawn um that's well-drawn plotting and everything, but I just, I really felt like it was supposed to, or it was going to be all about his journey and his bond with radar. And once, once he gets radar on the sundial, I'm like, Oh, okay. Now, now she's going to be like in a position to protect him. And like, I was, I was very much thinking like, Oh my God, this is going to go into a terrible route. She's going to die protecting him or something. Fortunately, that doesn't happen, but what does happen is he gets captured and then there's a run of like maybe 200 pages where he's not like radars, not in the, not in the picture anywhere like at all. And like the stuff in the prison in, um, in deep Marine and everything is really, really good and intriguing. Um, and, and especially with the fair one stuff and him having to, uh, being forced to basically kill, um, 
being forced to kill uh the 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 guy claw um that's that's really good for his character arc and stuff but throughout that whole section i'm like all right get back to radar <laughs> let's get the dog back <laughs> um right so yeah yeah um any thoughts on that or any other yeah i thought the um the the whole we haven't really talked about the whole deep Moline part where he's yeah. imprisoned uh yeah but yeah i thought that was really effective and i was really into that whole part because i i just thought it was incredibly bleak he he yeah. i mean there there was a lot of bleakness in empus because of the gray and the royal family being uh afflicted the way they are but i i feel like there's uh there was a certain degree of hope mm-hmm. um amongst all that but when once he gets imprisoned and is in a dungeon and is being trained to fight to the death it's all very very bleak and it's it's hard to see any hope um and it again it was just effective um and you know him him sort of becoming the uh um the chosen one if you will and him Mm -hmm. starting to understand that that's the way this is heading for him that that magic starting to take effect if you will um was all um really compelling i was i was so compelled by it and that was some of the most interesting parts of the book for me um nice it was it was it was just compelling and i i thought it was uh a great direction to take it in e- even though it did like you're saying it did clash with with the whole storyline of radar and mm. uh i god that was the worst part i was like he doesn't even have his dog like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. sweet sweet little puppy yeah know? yeah she's a good girl yeah um but yeah and then and then my kind of final like i guess criticism not not even criticism of it is that i feel like um once once the escape happens and once they get out of get out of the get out of the dungeons and the prison and everything it seems like it is just a very rushed uh, climax to uh, like while I I enjoyed the journey through like the palace and and learning about um, the how the galleons ruled and everything all of that stuff is really good like storytelling and everything but once we get to the point where okay they need to go to the deep well they need to go take down flight killer but first they have to save Percy and then they also have to take down Red Molly and they have to take down Hannah. And like those those sections, like Red Molly, Hannah, and even Flight Killer, those like are bit like kind of big bad, big bad moments, like like big bad like boss battles, boss fights, yeah, yeah. And like I felt, I felt really um, kind of kind of just a little bit disappointed by them because they're very brief, they're very quick, they're very there's there's not a lot of um, uh, there's not, a, there's not a lot of substance to them really, because they're both like, I mean, Molly just like swallows her teeth and dies. And then Hannah's just shot basically, I think. Right. And that's right. it. And I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking like, okay, Hannah's supposed to be like, like, like he sets up this whole thing where she's, she's grieving, uh, red molly and everything and i'm thinking like okay this is going to be a big big event like him having to fight or having to kill hannah to get to the deep well and all or whatever i'm just like okay and then and then it's just like kind of just like it comes and goes and i'm like okay fine that's that's a little a little disappointing 
So that's where I kind of got a little bit of disappointment. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah. And I wish that there was a little bit more time spent in the deep well when, with the reveal of it being like a completely different world. Um, Mm. yeah, I thought that that would have been a little bit better, but you know, but what we got was, was satisfying enough. I just kind of wanted more. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, um, I, I agree. Some of those kind of boss fight type things, like you were saying, were a little anticlimactic and a little rushed as well. I, I, I totally agree with that, especially because a lot of them had build up too. Like, yeah, you know, there's there was a lot of time dedicated to how menacing these characters mm-hmm. were, and then he kind of defeats them sort of easily, almost. Yeah. Um, so I, I I fully agree with that. Um, and the. Uh, I also agree with the kind of the deep well thing, although I, I think that was pretty effective in my book. Mm-hmm. Um, I I did like that part. Yeah. Um, it made me think of um, kind of gave me a sort of hints of revival a little bit with the climax of revival. Yeah. A little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. It kind of made me think of that a little bit. So, um, and just again, you know, the whole uh, it, it, it's it totally the conclusion of that where he's sort of, puts a cap L if you will um kind of seems like uh totally set up for a sequel like mm-hmm. like it, it it seems like um just a very temporary thing like like mm-hmm. the the flight killer is going to come back or like this this evil that he is yeah essentially that he is sort of seemingly quelled is going to come mm-hmm. back like it's just yeah he closed it he closed the door is what he did right. and like someone's going to open that door again, you know, um, and it feels like there's such a sequel. It's such a, such a setup for a sequel, but absolutely. apparently not. Yeah, absolutely. And like, even then, like it's, it's not even flight killer. It's the, um, God, what was it called? The oh, Gog Magog, Gog Magog, Gog Magog. And like, that's, re- yeah. that was really cool. That was, that was a good payoff and everything, but, but yeah, it does feel like, okay, it's not like you said, it just puts a lid on the problem. <laughs> like it just feels right. like a little bit, um i don't know i don't know yeah it was it was yeah i totally um, agree yeah um uh before i forget lilimar is the city Mm -hmm. um that they're in did did lilimar give you uh was it give was it serving you lud vibes from the dark tower uh it, it it was giving lud vibes um it was giving lud um but <laughs> to put it in the parlance of, of TikTok, but um uh or whatever. But yeah, in a, a little uh, just a tiny bit, I didn't I didn't really hone in on the LUD connections uh or anything. What I was kind of focused on in in the early parts of the book, um, when he first goes to Empus, I I kinda had this like I had this moment where I was like, Am I gonna be just as clever as Stephen King and am I gonna know what he's gonna do? Because I thought like it would have been really interesting or I thought that I thought there was potential that it could have been revealed that this was Garland, the the like fantasy realm of of uh, Eyes of the Dragon. And I thought that maybe that would be that would like dovetail into this story. But ultimately, I'm happy that it is a self-contained story that's not connected to that. But I did not make I didn't make too much of a connection to Lud, but. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I can definitely see that. I, I did, I did 
it did i was it did remind me a little bit of of that especially that's that's what it reminded me of it reminded me like the idea of the gray reminded me a lot of the grays and pubes in the wasteland or wastelands yeah. um right and kind of right. that kind of radioactive sort of world i don't know um yeah just yeah. just an abandoned a, a major city that's been like mostly abandoned but you know yeah. there's things things going on behind closed doors like there's you're being yeah. watched as you're wa- making your way through a city that's basically abandoned but it's really not kind of yeah. thing um that's just kind of a creepy vibe i kind of appreciated that totally totally yeah um yeah any other thoughts on fairy tale uh, anything else we want to talk about um i think we covered it pretty good um mm-hmm. i um i i touched on it earlier but i adored um maybe maybe this is a little um i don't know if it's a little insensitive but i adored uh seth numrich's uh performance of the um gosh i can't even remember her name uh, the, claudia? Uh, the deaf claudia the yeah. deaf character um just his his delivery of that voice was so entertaining. Um, it really was. And, how, and she was clunky, and she was just like, um, uh, she she like cursed and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And she just uh, like for for probably weeks after, <laughs> I would find myself saying like, no no no. That was I love so it. funny. Yeah. Like when I would be like when when Gizmo would be running off, I'd be like, no no no, Gizzy. <laughs> Um, I, I love it why. so much. Like, That's awesome. I just, I just latched onto that, and just of course the Charlie, Charlie, um, yeah, Charlie. I just, <laughs> I, I found that so entertaining. Um, it was, it was, um, yeah, and yeah, Seth Numrich's performance is is incredible uh, throughout all across yeah. the board. Um, yeah, yeah, he's great. Oh yeah, nice. Um, should we kind of wind down and kind of give overall thoughts on fairy tale and if it'll make our top 19s or anything, or is there anything else we want to talk about before we, uh, before we kind of wind things down a little bit? I think I'm good. I think I'm ready to button it up. Nice. All right. Well, overall I enjoyed fairy tale. I didn't, I, I will, I, like I said, that, that last like third of the book just kind of didn't connect with me as strongly as the first two thirds. Um, I feel like upon revisiting this book, I think I'll, I'll get a lot of, uh, I'll get more enjoyment out of it or maybe it'll, it'll, um, convalesce a lot better or coalesce, coalesce, convalesce. I don't know. Um, (laughs) yeah, sure. It'll, it'll, it'll come together real good. Um, but, (laughs) uh, but with that, uh, it's not going to make my top 19 now, but it is it is a very good imaginative um story with with a very very compelling and and good character at its center so i can't fault it too hard for uh, my expectations for the narrative versus what i got um but the biggest criticism i can give it is that i wanted more <laughs> which i think speaks to the quality of the story itself and uh more into my selfishness as a reader i guess <laughs> So, um, so yeah, I, I enjoyed it. How about, how about you kind of final thoughts on fairy tale, tiny? Um, I, I really enjoyed it myself. I, I, I think it might, it, it might possibly make my top 19. Um, I'm going to have to examine that, which is something I say a lot. <laughs> um, 
but but yeah, I, I think I think there's a very good shot that it would make my top 19. I, mm-hmm. I just I loved the world building. I really mm-hmm. loved the characters. Um, there's really sweet and touching boy and his dog um, uh, storylines going on. Um, there's a huge passage of time. There's uh, a lot of um, great character linking and interaction that I thought was just really touching and uh you know satisfying um i i do think i do agree with you though that i don't think he stuck the landing i think Mm -hmm. he um could have done better in the 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 final third the climax and the denouement um but uh overall i i just i just thought it was such a fun story just such Mm -hmm. a good story that i was just really into and did not want to I wanted to listen to it and I wanted to come back to it and finish it. Um, cause I was really on board. Um, and you know, I, I keep mentioning the whole, you know, I feel like this is ripe for a sequel or a prequel or, mm. um, you know, he, he did such a good job building this world. I want to go back to it. I, I want to see Empus again. Um, but I also just really respect the fact that I don't think he's going to, and I think he mm. almost explicit, explicitly laid it out in the storytelling of, of this book that, we're never we're never coming back here um and maybe that's good you know leave them wanting more maybe that's a good yeah. choice um again i respect the hell out of it i think it's really fascinating and you know i if i were if i had written this i would have probably left the door open for yeah. you know to come back here um but i feel like he really closed that door and uh i i respect the decision um but i i would love to i'd love to come back to empis i'd love to see it again oh yeah same same here same here Cool. Um, yeah. All right. Well, that is our review of um, uh, Fairy Tale by Stephen King. And uh, yeah, so we're going to kind of wind down the episode. Um, Tiny, I, <laughs> I'm like nervous to, to say this because it's <laughs> a big uh, thing for the podcast. But Tiny, um, what are you, what are you, by the way, I, I didn't ask this before um, when we were talking privately, but what are you currently reading? Because you said that you were going to, you're finishing up something. Yes, uh, I'm reading a book. Um, it was recommended to me by um, friend of the show, um, Matt Andreco. Oh, nice. Um, it's it's his favorite book. It's called mm. uh, Demon. Uh, it's spelled D-A-E-M-O-N. It's written by Daniel Suarez. Um, okay. It's yeah. It's it's um. He works. Uh, our friend Matt. He works in uh, uh, IT IT security, and mm-hmm. there's this book is about like this guy who creates a um, almost like an AI that like takes over after he dies. And it like, um, uh, like kind of tries to take over the world through the internet. And like, oh nice. it's, it's, it's really, it's a really cool book. And I, I had read it several years ago when Matt recommended it, but uh, something, something caused it to kind of jog in my memory and I wanted to read it again. It's not super long. It's like, I think it's like 15 hours. The audiobook is. So Sweet. I just kind of ra- randomly threw it on a couple weeks ago and uh, wanted to finish it up. And there's nice. also a, there's a, a sequel to it that I have not read. Okay. Um, that I kind of wanted to get to as well. So that's why uh, it's just, I kind of randomly threw that on, but it's nice. a good book. It's, 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 it's pretty interesting. Sweet. I might have to check it out, but um, tiny, <laughs> like I'm giggling about this. Uh, tiny what so so after you finish that what what are you gonna what are you gonna read next 
<laughs> uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna be reading this uh, this little book called uh, The Gunslinger. Yes, that's so interesting because I am reading The Gunslinger as well. Huh? Huh? Interesting. How'd that happen? Yeah. How'd that happen? Like five, six years after we started the Dark Terror <laughs> podcast. No. Um. Yeah. So <laughs> I guess I, I guess we can announce it. Uh. Next time on the podcast, next time thereabouts, uh, we are going to begin our journey covering the Dark Tower series. Um. So a few things you guys should know up front. This is a promise that we made at the beginning of this podcast. At the beginning of the podcast world of of tower junkies and we're finally gonna start paying on that promise but um one of the things i want to do is i want to make sure that we do it right and so what we're doing is we are going piece by piece through the through the dark tower series so the next episode is going to be a, a dive into the gunslinger uh, part one, chapter one, the gunslinger. That's all we're going to cover in that episode. And then from there, we're going to go part chapter by chapter. Um, so the gunslinger is going to comprise of five episodes of the podcast, plus a wrap up episode kind of talking about the book overall. Um, here's the thing that we're going to do though, is that when we're going through the gunslinger, this is going to be my fourth time through the dark tower series. Tiny, how many times have you read the dark tower? Uh, this will be my third first time with audiobooks. Right. Um, but what we're going to do on the podcast is we're not going to spoil the series. We want this to be a journey for everyone listening. If they want to read along with us, you can. So you can read along with us and listen to the reviews without being uh, without and the discussions and everything without being worried about spoilers. However, if you have read through the Dark Tower series, what we are planning on doing is with each episode that we cover the Dark Tower series in, we're going to record a Patreon-exclusive recording that is going to be about the spoilers of the entire series (laughs) and our thoughts on the episodes that we're covering or the sections that we're covering in the grand scheme of things. So that's partially why I've made a separate uh, or a curated Patreon tier for people that want to just get the Stephen King content because if all goes as planned, we're going to have a ton of Dark Tower stuff as well as other Stephen King stuff there. Um, And in addition to that, I'm planning on also uh, working through and and kind of sharing my thoughts on the uh, comic book series as well on Patreon. And then eventually that'll filter out into the main feed um, proper. But we're going to start covering the gunslinger next time on the podcast, which hopefully will be very soon, sooner rather than later, but that is going to be the next episode is going to be episode 85 of Tower Junkies. We're going to cover The Gunslinger, uh, chapter one, The Gunslinger. So now it's out there. <laughs> now they know. Now we're going to do it. I'm so excited. <laughs> like More committed. Yes. I, uh, I have been I've isolated each section um, for audiobook purposes so that I can listen to this, listen to each section over and over again. And I took out my paperbacks and I've put little flags for each section in it. And uh, I'm, I'm very excited about this. So um, I don't know if we'll be able to get it next week, but, but I'm, I'm going to commit us to the, before the end of the month, we'll have our first gunslinger episode. Is that, is that okay with you, Tiny, <laughs> to put that on the yeah, spot? Yeah, I, th- 
I think that's doable. It's it's okay, funny we perfect. haven't even recorded the episode yet, and you've already done so much work for it. I know. Well, I put <laughs> flags in a in a in a in a paperback, and I uh, I cut together some audiobook stuff. But yeah, I I've I've already <laughs> listened to the first chapter uh, three times now, and I'm planning on doing that for. Um, on my way to work tomorrow and just it's gonna it's gonna be a very immersive uh deep dive into the into the dark tower series so um wow. yeah so looking forward to that um <laughs> uh tiny any any parting thoughts for the podcast uh before we wrap up for the evening so that we can uh go to bed and <laughs> get ready for work tomorrow <laughs> um other than no glad to glad to be uh kicking off another year uh, another oh, yeah. year with Stephen King and another year doing the podcast and uh going to be a big one I think based on uh, what we just announced yeah I think so as well it is it's going to be quite a journey can't wait to go on this journey with everyone and with you tiny um yeah cuz we we read the dark tower series pretty much at the same pace the first time mm-hmm. we read it and uh it'll be fun to just be able to just geek out with you all over this um, yeah. And I think, I think what I, we're going to do, what I want to do is, uh, do an initial Patreon exclusive recording where we just talk about, we geek out about our history with the Dark Tower series and everything. And then, and then we'll release the, the first episode and everything. So anyway, all that's to be found on patreon.com slash obsessive viewer, where you can find, uh, a, a Stephen King exclusive, uh, Stephen King only content on the five or on i'm sorry on the four dollar level um or if you want to support us at five dollars or ten dollars you get all of that plus a ton more so anyway check that out patreon.com slash obsessive viewer uh tiny any anything else nope looking forward to the next one all right me too i'm gonna start playing us out um yeah also forgot to mention thank you uh for listening and also let us know what you thought about fairy tale uh we'll be back soon with our coverage on the gunslinger um and yeah so having said all that uh long days and pleasant nights and may you have twice the number And now, enjoy this short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. For the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, such as early access to episodes, TV book and movie reviews and reaction recordings, commentary tracks, and Patreon potpourri episodes, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. Because of that, I I loved the interaction that he, that he had with Charlie. I love that that conflict, that drama, that tension and everything. But I would be fine if Christopher Pauly never comes back to the story because that section, that encounter that Charlie had with him where Charlie is actually contemplating just murdering Pauly in cold blood, I think that that is a brilliant way to really bring in the darkness of Charlie Reed. And I think that you really need that because Charlie is going into this world where there's clearly like good and evil at play. It is playing with those like big, wide story storytelling structures and everything. And... This podcast was edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find links to all of our shows at ObsessiveViewer.com slash podcasts. 
for exclusive bonus content, including reviews, commentaries, and B-roll episodes, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.